Thank you for watching NTD Business Top Stories tonight. Walgreens saying it will not sell an abortion pill by mail in certain states after a warning from conservative attorneys general. A top iPhone supplier reportedly building a new factory in India as Apple shifts some production away from China. Are you afraid of self-driving cars? If so, you're not alone, according to a recent survey. Democratic senators urge Mark Zuckerberg to immediately halt his plan to bring teens into the metaverse, throwing a wrench into Zuckerberg's plans to salvage his struggling metaverse business. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Good to have you with us. Don Ma here. Amazon is pausing construction on its new headquarters in Northern Virginia. The tech giant says the first phase of its Arlington campus, known as Med Park, is still expected to open in June. But the groundbreaking for the second phase, known as Penn Place, has been pushed back. Amazon didn't give a reason and hasn't released a date for when construction would restart. The company did say it's still committed to Arlington and its new headquarters. In recent months, Amazon has been on a cost-cutting mission amid uncertain economic times. Walgreens says it won't be selling abortion pills by mail in 20 conservative-led states. The company made the announcement in a statement yesterday. The announcement comes after a warning from attorneys general from the 20 states last month. They were told they could face legal consequences if they sell them. CVS, as well, was also warned. A Walgreens spokesperson confirmed the company sent a response to each of the attorneys general promising not to dispense the pills by mail in their states. Walgreens is not currently dispensing the pills but is working to become eligible. An FDA-mandated process requires pharmacies to meet specific standards. That includes certification for shipping, tracking, and confidentiality for prescription records. The director of the World Health Organization says the WHO is still trying to figure out the origin of the COVID-19 virus. He also said all theories are still on the table, and that includes lab leak theory. Here he is earlier today. I wish to be very clear that WHO has not abandoned any plans to identify the origins of the COVID-19 pandemic. WHO continues to call for China to be transparent in sharing data and to conduct the necessary investigations and share the results. Until then, all hypotheses on the origins of this, the virus remain on the table. His comments come after the U.S. Energy Department concluded that the virus most likely came from a Chinese lab. Beijing denies it. The FBI director also told Fox News this week that the virus likely came from lab leak in China. Billionaire investor Mark Mobius is warning about investing in China. He told Fox Business that Beijing isn't letting him withdraw money from his bank in the country. I have an account with HSBC in, in Shanghai. I can't get my money out. The government is restricting the flow of money out of the country. They're putting all kinds of barriers. You know, they don't say, no, you can't get your money out, but they say, give us all the records from 20 years of how you made this money and so forth. Wow. It's, it's crazy. The investor thinks Chinese leader Xi Jinping has adopted a very different economic approach compared to his predecessors. He says he doesn't see a very good economic picture in China because Beijing is becoming more and more control-oriented in the economy. As a result, Mobius believes the best investment alternatives are India and Brazil.
Apple is shifting some production out of China. Apple's manufacturing partner Foxconn plans to build a $700 million plant in India, according to Bloomberg News. The plant will be one of Foxconn's biggest there yet. State officials say the plant would generate around 100,000 jobs in the next 10 years. Bloomberg analysts say that for Foxconn, the plan may, quote, herald an accelerated relocation from China. The country's strict virus restrictions disrupted the making of new iPhones and other devices there. Also, Apple hopes to avoid a hit to its business amid growing tensions between Washington and Beijing. AirPod maker Gore-Tec is also trying to leave China. It says Apple suppliers are being impacted and are preparing for potential conflict between Washington and Beijing. Apple suppliers are not alone. China is no longer the top three investment destination for most U.S. firms. This is according to a recent survey by the American Chamber of Commerce in China. This is the first in the entire 25-year history of the survey. More than 50% of businesses in China are not making a profit, also a first for the survey. Almost a quarter are looking for locations other than China. Businesses want to de-risk their supply chain. Most members report that they are revising their investment plans for China. Some are decreasing investment and some are stopping investment altogether. Top reasons for decreasing investment is uncertainty around China's policy environment, as well as the expectation of slower economic growth in China and overall uncertainty in the U.S.-China economic relationship. 24% of members are considering moving capacity out of China. And earlier, we spoke to Brian McCarthy about business in China. He's the chief strategist at MacroLens. MacroLens provides macroeconomic strategy to investors. The firm has a focus on China and its influence on global asset markets. Thanks for joining me, Brian. Now, you're pretty well-versed with uh, all China-related affairs. How do you feel about uh, having business in China, keeping in mind we, have, we had this AmCham survey this week? Yeah, um, thanks for having me, Don. So I think last time I was on your network, we, you know, we spoke about the fact that um, there's not really a mass exodus of firms that have already sunken costs in terms of uh, facilities and infrastructure in China. Um, you know, companies like Apple that just are, are really too big to move the bulk of their operations elsewhere. I think what you're seeing is that for new investments or the the marginal uh, case where some uh, a company is deciding, you know, where to source a critical material if there are options outside of China, they're more willing to look at those other options now. And I think if you think about the, the risk of a, a real severe tail event that generates like Russia-type sanctions on China, if that goes from a 3% probability to a 15% probability, and you're looking at where to make a new investment or where to source a, a product you need, that's a significant uh, tipping of the scales that might make you look elsewhere. So if you were a business right now and you, you're, you're in China, what are your top uh, concerns? <clears throat> it's it's uh, primarily the war in, war in Ukraine. I'm a firm believer that if push comes to shove and Xi Jinping needs to show Russia material support to prevent them from losing and prevent Putin from falling, he will do that, even if it if it creates an economic rupture with the U.S. and Europe. I, I think, you know, this is a proxy war, right? We're on one side, 
China's on the other. I don't think it's any less important to them than it is to us, uh, because Xi Jinping really has, I think, staked a fair bit of his global vision for China on this relationship with Russia and the symbiosis between the commodity producers in Russia and the Middle East and China, which is commodity dependent in an existential way. Um, so this is a, a really a big and important game of geopolitical chess that I don't think he can afford to lose. Now, I think at this point, the U.S. is just sort of barking. I think it's bluster. I don't think they have any intention at this point in the economic and electoral cycle to actually start sanctioning China because our markets will crash and it'll send us into a global recession. So a growing number of companies are saying they're not making as much of a profit. Uh, what's your best guess on why that is? And that the, the Chinese economy is in secular decline. Um, I, I, again, I think something we've spoken about in the past. Uh, Xi Jinping next week is going to reveal at the, at the big economic meetings uh, in Beijing that he is taking firm control over the entire economic and financial apparatus. So this was usually in the portfolio of the premier, um, and now she is taking control of that as he's taking control of, of everything else. Um, he's not going to return to the credit fuel growth model that he and everyone now seems to know is a dead end. They're, they're trying to backstop some of the larger property developers and put a floor under that market, but they're not going to return to willy-nilly property speculation, which Xi Jinping views as sort of weak. Uh, it's corruption-riddled. And, and, and that's not the way he wants to grow the economy. He wants to grow the Chinese economy, frankly, by having better central plans. I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> um, and if it doesn't work, then what you're going to see is a continued drag on the economy from the, the, uh, the property slowdown, I think a little bit of a reopening burst, but I'm not very excited about that, frankly, either, and just a continued slowdown in, in China's growth. And that's the root of the dwindling profits uh, U.S. corporations see in China, in my view. Thank you very much for joining me today, Brian. Pleasure speaking to you, as always. Thanks very much. Great to be here. Bye. Self-driving cars may be cool, but a recent survey shows some people are apprehensive of the technology. A survey by AAA found that 68% of drivers are afraid of self-driving cars. That's up from 55% of drivers in 2022. While that's just a 13% jump, it's still the biggest increase seen by AAA since 2020. The automotive group says the findings suggest car makers need to do more to build public trust and knowledge about the technology. Two Democratic senators have jumped in the way of Meta's metaverse ambitions. Meta, formerly known as Facebook, wants to open up its virtual reality platform Horizon Worlds to teenagers between age 13 and 17. But Senator Ed Markey and Senator Richard Blumenthal are urging Meta to, quote, halt this plan immediately. Horizon Worlds is a virtual reality platform that allows users to create and explore virtual environments using VR headsets. The clip here shows someone in one of those user-created worlds called the Orioverse. She can explore and interact with other users inside. Meta has invested billions of dollars into virtual reality, a big bet that it's going to be the next frontier of computing. And Horizon Worlds is one of its flagship virtual reality products. It's been out now for over a year. But unfortunately for Meta, it's struggling to grow. 
The Wall Street Journal says only around 200,000 people are currently in it. Meta's plans to let the teenagers in is an attempt to raise that number. Senator Ed Markey and Senator Richard Blumenthal have called this plan dangerous and unsupported. In a letter they sent to Mark Zuckerberg, they say research into the metaverse's effects on teens is still in early stages and that initial findings are highly concerning. Research suggests teens could become victims of privacy invasion, manipulation, nausea, eye strain, harassment, and unsafe content. Many items in the letter came from a Common Sense Media report. Common Sense Media is a media research firm that advocates for children, families, and communities. The report says people may experience nausea when walking, climbing, or falling through immersed environments that often lag or freeze, as well as when people experience inconsistencies between what they see and hear. The report says people can experience eye strain, fatigue, because people blink less when using screens. The report doesn't mention whether staring at VR screens would be any different, though, from staring at laptop and phone screens. The report also says it's still unknown if any of this leads to permanent damage. We reached out to Common Sense Media, but they were unavailable before broadcast time. For another perspective, we spoke to virtual reality firm Virtual Leap. Virtual Leap creates brain training games that are supposed to improve your cognitive functions. Its CEO has worked closely with people who work on Horizon Worlds. Here's his comments on the health concerns. Instances of nausea are almost unheard of when best practices are followed in proper content creation. So when it comes to um, these health areas, I, it's hard for me to really consider that uh, an area that we should be concerned about. There are so many good practices being applied in terms of accessibility, in terms of maximizing comfort. Regarding eye strain, we talked to the president of the Canadian Association of Optometrists. Dr. Henry Bonesack says that at the moment, he doesn't see a general health concern for VR. I know that all, all of our mothers told us, you know, don't sit too close to the TV. And now we've got a, uh, you know, we've got a screen literally, uh, you know, uh, you know, a fraction of an inch from our eyeballs. Um, is that harmful? I don't think we can say that it is. I think uh, it's likely that it's not harmful. I don't think there's sufficient um uh, you know, UV or blue light to cause concern. But for a developing visual system, let's keep it reasonable. Let's not be on there for hours on end, especially while we're talking about a child who is between, let's say, 6 and 14. Uh, we definitely want to get them away from their screens for part of the day. In the senator's letter to Mark Zuckerberg, they write that bringing teens into Horizon Worlds is unacceptable. Both Senator Ed Markey and Richard Blumenthal end the letter by telling him to, quote, immediately halt the plan. We reached out to both senators but didn't hear back before airtime. Moving on, serious allegations have come from several U.S. senators against crypto exchange Binance. They're questioning the firm's compliance with securities laws. NTD Sean Marshall has more. Money laundering, unlicensed money transmission, and potential sanctions evasions. Those are the allegations against Binance, the world's top crypto exchange, with 120 million users globally. U.S. Senators Elizabeth Warren, Chris Van Hollen, and Roger Marshall have sent a letter to Binance questioning the firm about its compliance with a variety of laws and regulations. Mark Fidelman deals with the crypto industry every day and doesn't agree with the Senate. What I see is a play by some senators uh, to get this crypto under control. Uh, in, in their eyes, and possibly to, to shut it down. I think some senators want to see it go. 
uh, one of them being Elizabeth Warren, uh, which I, I find atrocious. Binance appears to have moved at least 10 billion to criminals and sanctions evaders, the senator's letter said. The letter also said, your company's apparent attempts at evading the enforcement of anti-money laundering laws, security laws, information reporting requirements, and other financial regulations cast serious doubt on the stability and legitimacy of Binance and its related entities and on your commitment to your customers. In a statement, Binance said that a lot of misinformation has been spread about our company, but that we appreciate the senator's request. Binance also said it will provide information to help the senators better understand the firm. Um, but I do feel like what's happening now is that the market, the crypto market, is going to have to shift to security tokens or some sort of uh, crypto that's backed by a legal document, like a Reg S, a Reg D, a Reg A, at least in the United States. And then hopefully we can all come together and come up with some other document that's specific to crypto. But right now there is a legal path to crypto, and that is through the securitization process. Alongside Bitcoin's price drop today was the price of Binance Coin, which was down over $10, or more than 3% at the time of this report. The senators want a response to their questions by March 16th. Sean Marshall, NTD News. Onto Wall Street, stocks rallied today. The Dow rose 387 points, or 1.2%. S&P added 64 points, or 1.6%. And the Nasdaq gained 226 points, or 2%. Ocean shipping rates are collapsing. Could be welcome news for consumers. During the worst pandemic disruptions, shippers had to pay as much as $20,000 to ship a container from China to the U.S. But now those rates have dropped to around $1,200. It's bad news for big carriers like Maersk, which raked in record profits last year. But it could be good news for consumers, since high shipping costs contributed to high inflation we saw. Joining me now is Chapsi Levy, founder and CEO of Shiffle. It's a digital freight forwarding platform. Now, Chapsi, what, what trend are we, are we seeing right now in terms of shipping rates? What are you seeing? Uh, so shipping rates right now are essentially rock bottom. If we look at uh, shipping rates all the way leading up to the pandemic, uh, the average importer was paying to uh, bring in something from, let's say, China to the West Coast, on average, probably fifteen to $1,800 and to the East Coast, uh, probably in the upper range of 2,000 to 25 to 2,800. Uh, right now, the rates are far below that. Um, to bring in a container currently to the West Coast can be around $1,100 for a 40 high cube container and to the West Coast uh, around low twos. So that's even lower than the pre-pandemic. Um, now, the industry has always been very seasonal. As we head into uh, the later months, May, June, July, generally there's increases but I would expect this year to be, um, you know, a little bit lighter on the rates due to the overflux in inventory at the warehouses. Right. And you're saying it's quite low right now. Where, where did it come down from? So at the peak of the um, season and, and during COVID, um, customers would be paying anywhere up to twenty dollars to $22,000 for a container from China to USA. What do you think is behind this drop in price? Uh, so essentially, the volume dropped significantly. Um, there is the demand is down, and you know the ships are just not filling up completely. Uh, the rates are just dropping accordingly. And how does shipping rates compare from China to U.S. and vice versa? 
so the volumes uh, traditionally, obviously, are more on the import side to the USA. USA to China has always been a significantly less volume moving out. Uh, interestingly, during the um, COVID, um, that route from, from USA to China got heavily affected because there was a shortage in empty containers. So the carriers just wanted to turn around the containers as quickly as possible to get them back to China to pick up more goods. So they didn't even allow for exporters to, to, to have that the period to pick up the container, return it back. But the, the, those problems are in the past now. And I mean, it's, it's USA to China has always been a very, very cheap lane because there's not enough product moving back to fill up the vessels. So just quickly, you know, summarizing everything, what's your outlook for shipping rates? Optimistic, pessimistic? Uh, so if we'd be having this conversation in, in the years leading up to, to the COVID disruption, we'd be looking right now at around the same rates, maybe a little bit more. Uh, but as we'd be going into June, July, August, rates would probably go up uh, anywhere north of 3,000 to, to, to New York, maybe up to 4,000 to the East Coast, maybe up to 3,000 to the West Coast. I believe this year we might see maybe a little increase as we go into the peak season, but not close to that. So if I have to guesstimate, we'll be looking at around two. Uh, you know, 2000, uh, probably high 15 to 1800 to Los Angeles and maybe high twos to New York in the, in the peak. All right. Thank you so much today, Shapsi. Pleasure speaking to you. Thank you. Glad being with you. Taking a break now, buddy. If you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. Still to come, American taxpayers are concerned about their tax refunds this year, according to a new report. Why? And if you're a boss, it's time to pat your workers on the back for National Employee Appreciation Day. More on that coming up on NTD Business. And welcome back. As April 18th approaches, American taxpayers are feeling concerned about their tax refunds. Actually, a majority of Americans say they're worried. This is according to a bank rate survey. And Sandro Thomas has more. Taxpayers have legitimate anxieties about their tax refunds, considering the IRS's performance for the last couple of years. Bankrate.com has just released a new report detailing taxpayers' concerns. The company's survey found that nearly 70% of Americans are worried. The biggest is that your refund may not stretch as far this year because of inflation and rising costs. Unfortunately, that is a reasonable worry. Um, a close second is that your refund may be smaller this year. And unfortunately, that is probably true as well. It's also important to remember that the IRS and the federal government work for you, the taxpayer. I do feel obligated to point out that in some respects, a tax refund is not great because that's your money and you should have been getting it throughout the year. And it would actually be better to adjust your withholding so that you're not giving the government an interest-free loan until tax time. Tax refunds are particularly critical in an inflationary environment with high interest rates. Many Americans rely on these refunds to pay down debt and cover other expenses. Bankrate survey found that 75% of respondents said their refund is important for their finances. I think the best is probably to pay down credit card debt because the average credit card is charging about 20% these days. So any money you're able to pay off is basically a guaranteed risk-free, tax-free return of 
whatever your interest rate is. Rossman adds that filing taxes electronically is the quickest way to get your refund in a somewhat timely fashion. Just make sure to check for errors. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. And if you're a boss, it's time to show your workers a little extra recognition. And if you're a worker, it's time to remember just how valuable you are. Why? Because Friday is National Employee Appreciation Day, observed every year on the first Friday in March. The purpose is to honor and recognize workers across all industries. According to NationalDayCalendar.com, National Employee Appreciation Day started in 1995. It was created by Bob Nelson and his publishing company, Workman Publishing. And that's it today from the NTD business team and myself, Don Ma. You can follow me on Twitter if you want to. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, please email us at business at ntd.com. Thank you for watching. We'll see you Monday.